0: Welcome to When It Goes Wrong, the podcast exploring disasters, accidents, and times when everything falls apart. I'm Jasmine, your host, and on this episode, we'll be discussing the downfall of the startup company Theranos. Theranos was attempting to revolutionize blood testing, doing blood tests on tiny amounts of blood for a range of disorders. In reality, the company did not have the technology it claimed, and its founder, Elizabeth Holmes, would soon find herself on trial for fraud. This is part two, Uh, so if you haven't listened to part one, then please do go back and have a listen. I don't think, maybe it will make sense, but I think it's always worth listening to the first one first, right? So yeah, head back there, have a listen, and then come back over here. Last week, as a very quick recap, we learned all about Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos, the company she founded after dropping out of Stanford. And over the next decade, she grew Theranos with the vision of taking a pinprick of blood and conducting a multitude of tests on it. So the hope was that you could tap a really tiny amount of blood and run all of these different tests on it to, to stop having to do the the venous drawer of, of of taking a lot of blood out of people. And the idea was that all these tests would be done within a special box, a special piece of equipment, which was originally called the Edison, and then evolved into the mini lab. And she raised hundreds of millions of dollars in funding and surrounded herself with the politically strong, especially on her board. She eventually signed multiple deals with Walgreens and went live in 40 of their stores in Arizona uh, and started doing lab tests on people for real before it all started going wrong. So at this point, John Carreau, who we introduced at the end of last episode, was on the case in October 2015, he published the first of many articles and coverage of Theranos in the Wall Street Journal. So, <laughs> what did he publish, and what was actually going on at the company is what we're going to dig into today. So, we'll kind of take each bit of the company and the story in turn and, and discuss what was really happening. So, first, let's start at the beginning, and let's start with the hardware, that magical box that we talked about, the Edison or the mini lab, and what he found out was that it didn't work, which I don't think you will find surprising after last week's episode. But basically, this box just did not work. And what they were trying to do was they were trying to fit all these different bits of equipment into this box in order to do the lab the lab tests. But they were just trying to fit too much into such a small space. And if you visit a lab or work in a lab, you will know how organised labs have to be, how sterile they have to be, how, uh, yeah, methodical and careful and, you know, nothing can ever get contaminated or anything like that. And basically, they tried to put everything in a tiny space and just kept up none of those things. So it was just an absolute mess they would... The the machines just really wouldn't work very well and the lab technicians that worked with them would kind of have to yank them open constantly and, like, detangle the arms or, like, reset them or move pipettes about and, and do stuff. They were just not reliable at all. And it... It was quite dangerous for them, really, because they were putting them, their hands inside these machines, which potentially could have uh, patients' blood in them, and potentially, you know, blood that that might have been contaminated, uh, and and yeah, lots of sharp edges. So really, not good. Alongside that, and um, they were just unreliable, but they were also quite unhygienic, um, and so. the samples were really regularly contaminated with each other which again just shows like it's it's just absolutely not what you want with lab testing you want everything to be as self-contained and clean as possible Uh, i mentioned the documentary the inventor at the end of last episode and in the inventor they said they showed this like uh, animation of what they thought it would, you know, how they dreamed it would work at the beginning and it's, you know, all like running super smoothly and really like clean and beautiful. But then at the end, it it shows what it was. And it basically like showed how much of an absolute mess it was. There was just like blood flying everywhere like bits of the machine breaking and smoking it was like would get too hot you'd have to like take the sides off it it was just an absolute disaster and so yeah from the outside you would you know they would show it to an investor and be like oh look at this sleek black box and everything amazing that it's doing inside but in reality it uh, was just a proper mess (laughs) not great and one of the best stories about this i think is that when they wanted to demo the machine to investors so they get the investors into to theranos headquarters to uh, to kind of show off and they would what they would do is they would take a finger stick of blood off the investors and put it in in the tiny nanotube and then they would load the nanotube into the machine and they would then take the investors out of the room and like you know, take them for lunch, or for a tour, or whatever, and then they would, like, so then whilst they were out of the room, someone would come in, take the lab sample out of the machine, take the blood sample to the lab, to the actual lab, do the test, so do all the tests manually, then take the lab, the blood sample, put it back in the main machine and then basically like hack into it and show this other result. So they were just totally, uh, yeah, not not even using it. They were like lying to all these investors uh, and, and making it seem like it was doing the job when in reality they were taking the sample out, running downstairs, you know, you doing, doing it manually and then just coming back and saying the machine did it. Uh, so it, yeah, very, very bad practice. Not only with the with the machine but the tests themselves and this dream to do tests with only a really small amount of blood it's it's just really not very possible uh and maybe like the automation within the edison and the mini lab you could get to work one day right you know it's only a matter of time as Things get smaller and tech gets better and all of that kind of thing. I could totally see the Edison and the mini lab eventually existing, but with many years of, <laughs> of of research and many years of testing to make sure that they're very effective. But I think that it, trying to <laughs> do all of these tests and one tiny bit of blood is just never going to be physically possible and yeah and even if like the they do create the edison i would think that it would probably require the amount of blood that we are used to in a blood test so even if they do create this mini lab the tiny nanotube is probably just never going to happen and in reality they will most likely have to just take blood from a vein as they are expecting and and like I said in the last episode, Quest have been trying to get it down and maybe one day in future we will get it down to, to a much smaller amount of blood, but it's just a very slow and hard process to really reduce the amount of fluid that is needed to perform these tests. And so again, maybe one day, but it just would take so much research and so much time and it needs a company that is doing it very honestly and openly and is doing it in a way where they're saying, yeah, you know, it, it doesn't work right now, but maybe it will in future. Whereas Sarah and I were basically coming out and being like, yep, yeah, totally possible. We've made it work, all of this kind of stuff, which which was just a, a, a clear lie. And it's, it's quite funny because you, you go back and read the articles from the time and actually other big lab testing companies were were kind of talking about Theranos being like, we just don't understand how they're doing it, like how we, we want to see the data, we want to see proof that it's working. And they really doubted uh, that it was actually possible because they're obviously the experts in that area and they were just like, how are they doing this? Uh, and in reality, they weren't doing it. And one of the big uh, things that Quest, that other company, had to say uh, about theranos was that they thought that they think that capillary blood, uh, which is what they you get out of the finger prick test, uh, is just not as reliable as taking venous blood. So if you think about when you're when you're piercing your finger uh, and just taking that teeny tiny amount of blood, it could have like things in it from the damage of the of the tissue from the damage of the tissue in your hand because it is just such a tiny amount of blood obviously when you when you pierce your skin uh, there's a lot of reactions in your body to to increase certain chemicals and that type of thing so in that tiny amount of blood it may be skewed in a particular way whereas if you take venous blood obviously you do have the the puncture and you may still have those types of uh, those types of chemicals but you have a lot more of the volume so it's not it won't be skewed in that way and so they had a lot of questions was about not not only the amount of blood but the fact that they were trying to get it from a finger and not from a vein and yeah it was it, it was just a fundamental fact basically that that none of this blood testing stuff really worked uh, and and they were just making claims that that didn't make sense Uh, like I said, they, and and we talked about this in the last uh, episode, so not only then do we have machines that don't work, and we have this this concept that doesn't work of taking this small amount of blood, but once they did start taking the samples from patients and working with Walgreens, first of all, what they would end up doing is taking a full venous draw, so there would be a nurse in, in the Walgreens that would actually take their blood, but... They then didn't even use the Edison or the mini lab machines anyway in order to test the blood. So they would drive the samples over to their normal lab and in their normal lab they had tweaked uh, standard lab equipment to try and work with this small amount of diluted capillary blood. But... And like I said, yesterday, it just it, last week it just didn't it just didn't work. So the results they were getting were all over the place, and they would just ignore outliers, uh, they'd try and make it up. Um, that yeah, it was just terrible. The accuracy of the results was so bad, and they just really regularly gave out incorrect results. And like I like I mentioned, the these bad results would directly impact patients. And there are really horrible stories out there of people that were really badly impacted by this. Uh, So people being diagnosed with life-changing disorders based on the results. So a lot of people were told they had like thyroid issues or hormone issues. There was a result told where a woman, uh, woman was told that she was miscarrying when she wasn't uh, and, there, and there were reports that their syphilis test uh, were only telling sixty percent of positive patient, patients that they were actually positive. So they potentially were telling forty percent of people that they had that had syphilis that they didn't have syphilis, which then, of course, means that they aren't going to get treated and they aren't going to get the help that they need for it. So yeah, just just terrible, terrible stories out there that it's it's really messing with with people's lives. The results that they were getting, and I would think, hopefully. People did start to look into this and would get another blood test somewhere else and actually get a result that was correct. But, yeah, really tragic. Okay, so we've covered the tech and the issues with the tech. Uh, But not only was uh, the company lying about that, but they were also lying about the business so she claimed multiple times that she was doing work for the military, and the idea was that the machines could be worked on the battlefield. And she, yeah, basically, there's like audio interviews of her basically saying like, "Oh yeah, we're doing work with the military. I can't tell you anything about it, but yes, we've got we've got these contracts in place." And because she said that, a lot of people invested in Theranos because they thought, "Oh wow, great! You know, she's got this amazing deal with the with the military who are going to spend all this money." And so. They thought she was doing a lot of things that she obviously wasn't, and in reality there wasn't there was no contract in place. she had had approached the military and obviously had a lot of connections through a board with the military, but they, once it was proposed, they really wanted to do some independent testing on the machinery on the Edisons and the mini lab, and Elizabeth just wouldn't let them. <laughs> she was like, "I'm not letting you do do independent tests on this." Probably because in reality it didn't work. So obviously she wouldn't want other people messing around with it. But yeah, so it, it never went anywhere basically. So she definitely did not have this contract in place. But she used this lie to investors and it directly led to more funding. And she just used this kind of trope many times so she she regularly said that she had business deals with with different organizations which weren't weren't true, uh, and she even was claiming that she was working with like lots of different countries and had done this and that and this and and just none of them were actually in place or correct and so if like me at this point, you're thinking, well we've already talked last time about how the f d a was in a in a bit of a gray spot, but surely like they were being audited as a company or surely uh, they would have like these financial statements which would clearly show that they weren't getting income from the military like they claimed or anything like that. But because they were a private startup, they actually did not need to get their, their financial statements audited, which fine, but... I just think it's so odd that no one looked into this. Like, why did none of these investors that were investing millions and millions of dollars requesting financial statements and requesting audited financial statements? Because that is really best practice. Even if you're not required to do it, it's very much best practice to still get this stuff audited and still to be publishing them publicly. And so it was very clear that not only were they not doing this, because if they did, it would show huge discrepancies in terms of, what work they were claiming to do and how much money they were having but also it would just show that they they that the investors were investing in something that they they thought they were uh so i think this is i mean it's both sides issue really but yeah they they refused to get them checked and they went over 10 years without any form of audit and it sounds uh, from some of the reports and stuff that they just had, not only were the financial statements not audited, but they just had terrible budget management throughout that whole time. Uh, the finance system on the, of the company just sounded like an absolute mess. So, yeah, very, very much not good. And like I said, I don't know how that was not picked up by anyone else. Surely the first thing you want to see if you're going to invest in something that supposedly makes all this money is to is prove that they, they are making all that money. Alongside all of the lies uh, that we've talked about, uh, as part of the reporting, it really became clear that alongside that, there was really just a horrible culture and horrible working practices at Theranos, and that they were really cultivating this culture of fear within the company. So there was all the secrecy, like we talked about, but it was very clear that Sonny was very much uh, seen as a bully within the company. Uh, there have been reports of him like reading all employees' emails, of of them like tracking all of the things that they're doing on their computers and reading it. Uh, he really like regularly like yelled at people, and he forced a lot of people to leave the company. So it, it just sounds like from the outside. They put this impression that it was a really cool place to work and, you know, really, really interesting work and all of this type of stuff. But in reality, it was—it just sounds horrendous. And Ian Gibbons, uh, he was head of research at Theranos, uh, and he was, yeah, a chief scientist. And he had been with the company for a very long time. He was actually on a lot of the patents that uh, Elizabeth filed, uh, especially around creating these new these new types of blood tests. Mm. But it soon became clear that the current standards that the labs were getting were, were not enough, and that uh, the technology wasn't working in the way that they they thought and so he did everything he could to try and improve this to try and get the technology working to you know slow down in terms of uh, actually testing patients' blood, that type of thing, and and really did everything he could and he was constantly going against Elizabeth and Sonny and was getting more vocal about the failures of the organisation. Uh, and and because of this, because he was getting more vocal and actually standing up to them, uh, Elizabeth and Sonny were just trying to kind of put him down, keep him quiet. They like got rid of his office. They were just treating him really terribly. And he eventually got put in this really horrible position where he was deposed to do a lawsuit. And so there was a there was a civil lawsuit going on and he had been deposed to testify in it, which meant that he had to go into court and testify the truth. And what he knew, he was just put in this horrible place because he knew he couldn't go... To this trial and say, "Oh yes, everything is great. You know, everything works perfectly. Like this is amazing." Because that that's a lie, and he couldn't do that. But he knew that he didn't want to say anything against Theranos and Elizabeth because that would mean that. Uh, he, it would invalidate invalidate all of the work that they'd done, that it would, you know, he's very close to his colleagues, he didn't want to want to put them down. Uh, he knew that if he did speak out about Elizabeth and Co, that they would really <laughs> come, come for him. Uh, and he was just put in this really horrendous place, basically. And eventually, on the night before he was due to go back into work before this court case, uh, he was just in such a tra- tragic position that he took his own life which is really, really sad. And uh, they interviewed his wife in some of the documentaries and Theranos reportedly did not get in touch with his family at all after this happened, even after he'd worked there for years and years and years uh, and other than to ask for his equipment back and to get them to sign you know, these, these NDAs and make sure they didn't speak it about anything. So just just terrible treatment of an employee and then of an employee's family, which is, yeah, really, really tragic. We have summed up then uh, that that was a summary of all of the things that John Kerry Roof found out in terms of the lies about the technology, the lies about uh, how the blood test works, and then really the culture of fear that they were they were creating. So what happened as soon as these articles were produced? So the article was released at the end of 2015, and as soon as it was released, Elizabeth appeared on CNBC's Mad Money. Uh, and denied all the claims. Uh, so basically went on and was like, no, everything in this in this article is a lie. Uh, we will prove that it is a lie. We will prove that all of this stuff works. Uh, but this was very much the first time that she had had any negative press against her in regards to the company. Uh, she repeatedly insisted that they would publish results which showed the accuracy of their tests. But... Didn't, basically, but they kept saying, yeah, 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 we'll do all this stuff and, and show that how how accurate our tests are and how everything works. And so she continued to fight against the claims that the Wall Street Journal made out. And she hired David Boyce as her lawyer. So I think she'd hired him a couple of years before this. Uh, and he is a very famous lawyer in the United States as he was... A very prominent lawyer in a uh, in a legal case about, against Microsoft. He was with Al Gore for the Al Gore election uh, trial, and he most recently defended Harvey Weinstein. So, clearly not a very nice person. Um, and so he, so Elizabeth hired him to come in and to try and pursue legal action against. Anyone who against uh, against Wall Street Journal against the these articles being published, but also uh, really tried to to go after anyone that had spoken to Kerryu or had provided any of this kind of these claims and evidence. really went against and um, tried to go against them. Following the article, the regulators uh, started to get interested, which you would hope that they would do that beforehand, but who knows? But eventually, they they did get involved and they started investigating Theranos I think they had actually I'm sure I've read that they had already started investigating but yeah they were just slower than this article but yeah so they investigated Theranos and inspected the California lab And they immediately found lots of breaches uh, and gave them a warning for immediate improvement. Uh, But that didn't happen. The improvements were not made. And in July 2016, Theranos was banned from running a lab for two years. So it was clear how terrible the practices were that were going on within the lab itself. And then at that point in 2016, Walgreens eventually pulled the service from the stores following this. I have no idea why they didn't do it sooner, but I'm guessing they had to like, test the claims out, right? They couldn't just be like, oh, there's articles come out. Boom. I guess they had to wait and see what, what other evidence ca- that came out. And clearly, as soon as they were banned from running a lab, uh, which is their literal main job, uh, then it became clear that they were not a company that they wanted to continue working with. But even after this, even in 2016, uh, the company continued to run. Uh, so the, they were plagued by lawsuits. The state of Arizona brought a case against them. And they eventually agreed uh, to refund the cost to the customer for every test which they carried out as part of the Walgreens work. Uh, So, yes, lots and lots of their money was going on legal cases and was going on settling these legal cases. Many of the investors were suing the company because of the lies that they had been told. uh, And Theranos was under investigation by the SEC, the Securities Exchange Commission, I think, uh, who would eventually bring charges. Uh, soon after this, in 2016, Elizabeth eventually fired Sonny uh, as the CEO, and he left the company. But despite all of this and everything going wrong, Elizabeth still didn't really think that Theranos was over, and, and it, she was still insistent on trying to make it work. So in October 2017, she adopted a nine-week-old Siberian husky puppy. I know this is really random, and named him Balto. And Balto was originally a dog which had led a team of dogs to deliver aid to remote Alaskan people and had to, to persevere through this horrendous journey. And so what she decided to do was she was like, I'm going to get this dog. We call him Balto. He's a symbol of perseverance. He's going to be a symbol of how we at Theranos need to persevere through all of this horrible stuff. And eventually we will get out to this, you know, very successful Successful company. So from that point on, she would take Belto with her everywhere and to her very cute dog, totally understand. And eventually, he kind of looked like a wolf. So she kept saying that he wasn't a dog, he was a wolf. But he would, yeah, take her, or she would take him all day, every day at the offices, uh, which obviously wasn't great because, I mean, they weren't allowed to run a, a commercial lab anyway. But even the labs that they still had were now contaminated by this dog wandering about uh, but apparently one of the articles it says that he was not toilet trained and so would go anywhere and everywhere so not a great time <laughs> in the office in 2017 at the end of 2017 then it became clear the company really had no money uh they closed their flagship office uh the big one in silicon valley and they moved into the into the lab that they had elsewhere. And just day after day, they were just letting more and more people go, uh, and and the the company was really really shrinking. However, even in twenty seventeen, at the end of twenty seventeen, uh, Elizabeth managed to secure more funding of a hundred million dollars from the Fortress Investment Group, uh, which is very impressive. <laughs> she managed to get that at that point. But soon after, in twenty eighteen, both Elizabeth and Sunny were charged with wire fraud and conspiracy. And that meant that by September 2018, Theranos was dissolved and any remaining assets went back to their creditors. Uh, and it's important to know that both parties have denied all of the charges that have been raised against them. So yeah, I just found that really interesting because I think in in my head, when you hear about Theranos now, in retrospect, it, it almost seems like, boom, like drunk Harry re- released this article and the company just, just you know, died, died to death right there and then. But in reality, it it still ran for quite a few years afterwards. They still uh, really tried to to make a go of it and it didn't work, basically. Uh, so, yeah, so, let's, so that was 2018. Let's fast forward to current time, 2021. Uh, they were originally going to try Sonny and Elizabeth together, but Elizabeth moved in 2020 to split the trials uh, and the... The trials are going on at the moment, uh, and the thought of why they wanted to split them was potentially that Elizabeth was going to try and use some form of defence around how it was all Sonny's fault, and she was kind of coerced into into the things that we did, that they did. Uh, Elizabeth's trial, like I said, it started at the end of 2021, but in the meantime, between 2018 and 2021, Elizabeth became engaged and got married to hotel heir uh, Billy Evans. Uh, And then she also gave birth to a baby in early 2021. Uh, So she was due to go to trial, uh, but they ended up having to push the trial back because she was pregnant and had to give birth. So, yeah, I wouldn't say it was a great time to have a baby. I'm not going to lie before you're about to go for a very large criminal trial, but... Her decision. Um, so yeah, so yeah, she she was doing very well. Yeah, they apparently live in some kind of giant sprawling mansion, uh, and every photo of her looks she looks very happy. So that's very good. Uh, but yeah, like I said, her trial has now started. If she is convicted, she could be sentenced to up to twenty years in prison or millions of dollars in fines. And yeah, it like I said, imagine having a baby and then going to prison for twenty years. Not not great. And yes, Sonny will then have his separate trial in 2022. So we will see that what comes out of it. So when you listen to this episode, when it comes out, the, the trial is still going on. Uh, I think it will go on for many weeks as they comb through all of the evidence. But it is some of the stuff that's coming out of the trial is really interesting because obviously it's bringing forward a lot of information that hasn't come to light previously. Uh, so it is yeah, an ever-changing story, this. might um, have to do an update after the after the trial's finished. And so, um, I, I just a, a note kind of here, before I go into what we learned, and, and, and resources, I think, in reality, potentially they could have got somewhere that was good. Like I said, they could have, you know, created this this technology that worked and they could have created la- um, blood tests that worked and they could have th- done that but they were just in such a rush to do these things that it led to the mistakes and then the mistakes were covered by lies and the lies were covered by lies and they just <laughs> went down this this rabbit hole where it didn't work and i really wonder if she was in a less critical industry like if she was like i said last time if she was just in like software development something like that then whether this would have had the same outcome because I feel like if she was in a different industry that wasn't having such an impact on people's lives actually the fact that she's shipping something that doesn't fully work isn't it is really normal practice in some places so it it's yeah very interesting to to see the parallels and yeah, if she was in a different industry, would she actually still be running and be really, you know, actually finally got got to where she wanted to be and, and be successful? But because she was in this healthcare industry, any error is a terrible error. So therefore, you could just never come back from it. Uh, I think it's, yeah, an interesting thing to ponder. Uh, so in terms of what we learned then, I think... This was like many things, failures in many, many areas. And so I think obviously there are a lot of failures on Theranos and Elizabeth's part, but I think there are a lot of failures elsewhere as well. So I think investors and board members not doing due diligence on the company and not asking for things like audited financial statements like we talked about and the need to make sure that that happens, I think, is a really important thing that people need to consider. Don't know if anyone listening to to this is a. Venture capitalist, maybe, maybe someone is. Um, if you are, do some due diligence <laughs> before you do your investments. Uh, I think it will be a good idea. Otherwise, uh, I think there's also a gap that has become very clear, which is that gap around the regulations in this area. And they have definitely done uh, some things to close that now to to make sure that that anything that's uh, working in this area is is more tightly regulated and will be looked at uh, very very closely. So again, any regulators out there? Um, well done. Keep going and and and, and try and do more. Um, and then finally, not only investors doing due diligence, but the suppliers doing due diligence. And the fact that Walgreens went in on this deal without getting the research and and testing and proving accuracy and stuff, I think, is an important one. And I think that if if some companies had done that then potentially this would have been found out a lot sooner because she wouldn't have you know the the company wouldn't have been able to get away with it but yes but like i say it, lots of things we learned but they haven't been charged yet they haven't been haven't been found guilty of anything uh so who knows might all be might all be lies and they might all actually be innocent we will find out in the court case in a few weeks time so I wanted to highlight many, many references. This is everywhere at the moment. And that's why I wanted to do a case on no, it because I was like, I'm reading all this stuff on this anyway. Let me put it all together into, into an episode. So like I mentioned yesterday, John Carreyou, excellent. You can go online and read his, his original Wall Street Journal articles. I think you're, it's one of those ones where you can read like five for free. So worth going on and reading those. He then published a book called Bad Blood a couple of years ago. Also very much worth a read. I actually read it a couple of years ago uh, and it is very good, very informative and really goes into all the details uh, of everything. So I really recommend uh, listening to a watch. (laughs) I really recommend reading that. Alongside that, he now has done a podcast called Bad Blood, The Final Chapter, uh, which is him uh, doing some additional content for the book. Uh, And I think it's really excellent podcast. Uh, So he's done things on like things that they've found out since uh so around like what what tipped him onto uh going into the story like we talked about with the quote talked about some like interesting ones where they tried to get um involved in like ebola testing and yeah it's it's really interesting definitely worth a listen uh, and they are also covering some of the trial as part of that podcast as well there is also another podcast series called The Dropout and that is a much longer podcast series all about this case uh, and about Elizabeth. Uh, so that is very much worth a listen to as well. Uh, otherwise, I wanted to highlight two articles. There's two Vanity Fair articles and I think they're both really excellent. There's actually three. Three? No, there's a New Yorker. Um, the New Yorker article uh, from when... It was like the height of her fame is really, really worth a, a, a read because it's interesting to read about how it was perceived at the time and how, you know, they were like, oh my God, she's amazing and it's amazing everything she's doing. It's just really interesting to read that. So give that one a read. And then, yeah, Banachy Fair have then done two big, long reads on it. One from 2016, which was around the the downfall and covers a lot of the things we talked about. But then they also did one in... One in 2019, I want to say, which was, yes, 2019, uh, which which covered like the final months of Theranos and Elizabeth Holmes, which I thought was very interesting because there's lots of coverage on obviously what happened in the, in the midst of the company. But that was a really great article and talks about the dog pooping everywhere, which is... <laughs> interesting um so yes highly recommend that as well uh there is apparently going to be a film at some point on the vanity fair based on the vanity fair articles where apparently jennifer lawrence is going to play elizabeth holmes so that shows you how much this is very much everywhere uh so hopefully uh yeah if you are interested in it i promise there is a wealth of information to keep you busy so yeah I hope you enjoyed this two-part series and I'd love to have your thoughts on whether you enjoyed covering something a little bit different. Obviously, it's nice to talk about other things occasionally. I love talking about mountains and climbing, but yes, nice to talk about some other stuff as well. So definitely please give me some feedback as to whether you enjoyed this. Uh, You can contact me on Instagram at whenitgoeswrongpod or drop me an email at whenitgoeswrongpod at gmail.com.